Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first podcast of Bolt Take Scouting. We are two scouts who are avid followers of the NFL draft and have been scouting for a few years. And about a month ago, we created an Instagram page called Bolt Take Scouting, and that is the, the handle that you can search in, in the app. And we decided that now with the college football season and the NFL season just a few days away, and actually the college football season having already played a few games, although the notable ones are still to come, we decided we're going to make a podcast episode each previewing the uh, college football season and the NFL season. So our trademark is that we have real bold opinions on NFL prospects, and we're not afraid to voice them. A lot of scouting services just give you the information you could really find anywhere else, but we're going to give us give you our real opinion about each of the prospects. Although this episode is going to be more about previewing the landscape of the college football season, given all the everything that is up in the air and all the players and teams that have opted out. We just thought we'd give an overview and see at, look at a few things that are to watch with the prospects that are yet to play their, their final season in college football. So the conferences that are in and those that are out, as made national news, the Big Ten, the Pac-12 opted out. We think there is still, I think, a possibility that they end up playing in some form if they see that the rest of college football goes well. Meanwhile, the Mid-American Conference and the Mountain West are also out, while other bigger conferences such, the, such as the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, and the American will be playing. So, all right, so we'll start with um, going through all the positional groups with the players that have opted in and opted out. Um, we'll start off with the quarterbacks. First, we have Jamie Newman for Georgia, who has opted out with Trevor Lawrence and Brock Purdy, who are still playing. Justin Fields with Ohio State cannot play because the Big Ten has opted out. Trey Lance, another one of the top quarterback prospects, uh, will have one showcase game versus Central Arkansas. So now let's break down every, all of those uh, players individually a little bit. Jamie Newman, a player we thought if he could get a good hold of the starting job, given the competition he has from JT Daniels, can maybe, if he were to fix some of his mechanical issues and just all of his uh, nuances to the game, make his way into the first-round conversation. But with his opt-out, it's looking real difficult for him to get there. What do you think about Trevor Lawrence, Alex? I think Trevor Lawrence, I think as everyone would say, is definitely the number one quarterback in the draft. I don't think opting in or opting out is going to affect his draft stock at all. I think he's pretty much unanimous to go number one, no matter who has number one overall pick. Uh, I just think, and everyone thinks, I know you also think he's got, he's got it all. He's got the arm. He's got the, he's got the football IQ. Oh, uh, and you actually love to see that he is, he really wants to play. You, you can just sense the, the love of the game he has. And that's really what you want in the, future number one overall pick. So, but as you said, we're not even really looking for him to, to step up his game or anything. He's already elite. And then there's a guy like Brock Purdy, who I think is a little underrated, actually, because he might not have the intangibles that a Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or Trey Lance have. And actually, I didn't mean intangibles. I meant the physical tools, because he certainly has the intangibles. He, he's, he's only 6'1". He's not insanely athletic like, like some of the other prospects, but he, he's consistent. He has the intangibles. He he gets the job done, and I think that maybe if he were to be able to play while some of the others aren't playing, that'll make himself a little more clear as a top quarterback prospect to the eyes of NFL scouts and really show them that 
even if he isn't on their level in terms of the physical tools, he does have the abilities to be a starting quarterback in the league. So I think that him being able to play could put him in the first round conversation for sure. I completely agree. And with Justin Fields, I think he's in the same conversation as Lawrence. Obviously, I, I think he's a step down from Lawrence, but I think whether he plays or whether he doesn't play, which is looking like he's not going to play right now, I don't really think that's going to affect his draft stock. I still think everyone has him as the number two quarterback off the board unless something crazy happens from Brock Purdy and there's like an insane um, rise from him. But I think Justin Fields is pretty much locked in as the QB two heading into the 2021 draft. I think actually that the quarterback that would give him competition would be Trey Lance. I think that if you look at what he did last year with 28 touchdowns and zero interceptions, and if he has a great showcase game versus Central Arkansas and he and he just like does really well in the pre-draft process, he could actually push him. Because I think the issue with Justin Fields is that while his draft stock probably will stay about the same, he did have some questions that we were looking for him to be answered. And I think his draft stock that was projected heading into the season was almost assuming that he takes a step forward in those in those situations in which he, he needs to he needs to be better. And I think some of those would be first his field vision. I think that that's something that he can improve on. His pocket awareness, too many times he he took sacks that he shouldn't have been taking and and then another thing would be his footwork. And I think these are three things that you could definitely see a quarterback, the level of Justin Fields, improving on in his final season in the NFL. And the fact that he's not going to get that final season in order to show scouts that he's improved on that could potentially hurt him. But then again, it's not like Trey Lance is playing a full season either. And while Lance definitely was incredible last year, at the FCS level, you need to see that type of elite play in multiple years. And going off one year, I'm not sure if he pushes ahead of Fields. Yeah, I don't think he will. I think uh, one season and one game, I don't think that's enough. If you look at somebody like Carson Wentz, who came out of North Dakota, he had three seasons, if I remember correctly, maybe four, um, where he was just dominant every single year. And Lance, although he had an amazing year, 21 touchdowns, zero interceptions, I just don't think that yeah. – oh, sorry, 28. I don't think that one season and one game will be enough to push him ahead of someone like Fields, who has played against the highest competition. Yeah, I actually, I think I dislike the idea of the showcase game because I agree. I either you have a season or you don't. It's it's not it's not even a real environment for 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 seeing how he projects to the NFL. His one showcase game this year against Central Arkansas. It's it's inevitably going to have some value in the eyes of scouts because that's going to be the only time he's going to be seen in a live action game, uh, barring a a, a pre draft type of uh, performance that can be put on. Because I could see the NFL putting some kind of actual game apart from the senior bowl together, because who knows, this is so such unprecedented of a draft season that we could see something like that. But that idea aside, if this is the only game he plays, it's going to have some value. And it's a showcase game against central Arkansas. I don't know if I like the idea. I agree. I just think, I think there's a lot more downside from a showcase game against central Arkansas than there is an upside. If he plays really well, you say, okay, it's central Arkansas. He should have played really well. He's an NFL prospect. If he performs poorly, I think, that could have yeah. call um, have scouts call questions in like why didn't he perform well? Yeah, it's one game. I think you know it's a it's a hit or miss on how he pl- how he performs, and I think just the miss it's just to me it's too much of a risk. I just say you know what I'll go into the season, go into the draft without a without a season at all. Yeah, but just for the the bottom line for me, I, I, you sound like you think that Justin Fields is going to be the, the solid QB two. I think that the NFL might be more in love with Trey Lance than the media is right now, given that he comes from the FCS. Meanwhile, 
Justin Fields comes from Ohio State and has played on the big stage and all that. I do think that I've heard things about how NFL scouts really love Trey Lance. And if if he ends up having a great showcase game and a great pre-draft process and Justin Fields, say, at the Combine doesn't show an improvement in the footwork that we were that we were expecting from him, it's not out of question that Lance jumps Fields. I still think Fields, Fields has the edge to be the QB2, but Lance is going to be up there. And we see him in the mid-first round in mock drafts. I'd be surprised if he doesn't go top 10, even though it's way too early to say that. I just think that he's something that NFL, that NFL scouts will fall in love with. Yeah, I agree. I think it's time to move on to running backs, though. Yep. Uh, we don't have any notable opt-outs. And a little surprising, actually, is Travis Etienne and Chuba Hubbard playing. Both players that could have declared last year but decided to come back for another year. Um, I mean, with the running back position, to me, it's like the more carries you get in college, usually the harder it is um, to go higher in the NFL draft because yeah. – Running backs, the, every single touch counts, and you have a short shelf life. So I know both of us, we were surprised Etienne and Hubbard both decided they want to come back for another season. And, you know, they had this second chance to say, I'm going to opt out for coronavirus reasons, or they could have said for other – they could have done it for other reasons. And I'm just a little surprised that they're both playing because the more touches they get, yep. the lower their draft stock is. Think about, think about Josh Jacobs versus Devin Singletary. I, I'm not saying that Singletary was a better prospect, but the fact that Singletary had so much mileage on him coming out meant he went way lower. Given, and I remember a significant plus on Josh Jacobs was that he was not a true workhorse and he wasn't run into the ground before his NFL career even started. And I do think that Najee Harris, he actually hasn't even gotten enough of an opportunity to showcase his skills. So him being able to play – it gives him a lot of upside in terms of his draft stock. Meanwhile, a guy like Trey Sermon is, is pretty hurt, I think, that because he could have a – if he had a real breakout year or really if he confirmed the, his, his previous talents, then I think he could have maybe pushed into that group. But now he's definitely going to be behind them if they're playing and he's not. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's time to move on to wide receivers. Uh, opt-outs, the big one was Jamar Chase and then behind him Rashad Bateman and Rondell Moore. And then we have a plethora of players playing, including Waddle and Smith from Alabama, Tylen Wallace. Um, I mean, what do you think when Chase opted out? I think that it makes sense. He showed everything he had to show. He's a surefire elite wide receiver in the NFL. He's going to be going top 10. Uh, he was risking more than, than he was going to gain by, by opting out. And I think Rashad Bateman, much of the same. He's obviously not on the level of Chase, but he's already seen by scouts as a firm top 10 player. Rondell Moore, a little more questionable. I think that he was in the tier with Waddle and Smith and potentially Wallace or a Charleston Rambo or Seth Williams. If they play themselves up there, I don't think they will. But now it's hard to see more going ahead of Waddle and Smith if they get a season and he doesn't. I agree. And then a few of the players that can't play because their conference isn't playing, Amon Ross St. Brown and Chris Olave. I think those two, um, obviously not in the top tier of wide receivers as Chase and Bateman. And obviously the more they play, the better chance they have to raise their draft stock. So it's yeah, really point for them. This definitely hurt them because they're, they're going to be in that next tier behind Waddle, Smith, and more where they're going to be looking to, to break into the – they would have been looking to break into the first round along with Rambo, Wallace, Williams, if they all have good seasons. And now it's going to be a way more difficult, and they're probably more day two players. Yeah, I agree. It's really disappointing for them. Tight ends, uh, no notable opt-outs. We have Kyle Pitts who's playing, um, and then Pat. I hope I pronounced his name right. Freermuth. He's not playing because, again, the conference isn't playing. I think this is really big for Kyle Pitts and a loss for Pat Freermuth because if you if you looked at the opinions of scouts and everything, they were really the two names that you would hear 
uh, coming through the tight end ranks for the 2021 NFL draft. And you're going to see a guy like Kyle Pitts, extremely athletic and everything. And we're looking for him to improve as a blocker. And I think he'll, he'll take a little bit of a step forward there. And then he's going to keep showing that athleticism coming out of the season uh, at the combine. And while I'm not sure what, who's the better tight end, I'll, I'll need much further scouting to determine that. It's hard to see Fryermuth getting that tight end one spot over Kyle Pitts if Pitts end up, ends up having a full season. Yeah, I agree. Um, with the offensive line, we have a big name, Penai Sewell, who has opted out. Um, but then Alex Leatherwood, Trey Smith, and Samuel Kosme are playing. I think that's good for the three of them because I think heading into the season, everyone thought Sewell was the number one offensive lineman in the draft. But I think by Leatherwood and Smith and Cosme playing, I think they actually do have an opportunity to leapfrog Sewell if they put in some great tape and Sewell doesn't put any tape at all. I don't think so. From everything I've heard from the NFL's Panay Sewell, if I'm pronouncing that right, is seen as an absolute elite, top-notch offensive lineman. And I actually think that his decision to opt out won't affect anything. He'll be top five, maybe even top three pick. And I, I don't see any offensive lineman challenging his OT1 spot. I don't, I don't think it's possible given how, how elite he was and how, how much he's loved in NFL circles. Yeah, I understand that. Um Let's flip to the defensive side of the ball. Gregory Rosu from Miami, another big name to opt out. Uh, I just think, you know, I don't think he had any too much to gain if yeah, he played. Exactly. Um, again, I just think the risk outweighs the reward. He should be top five talent. Um, he'll playing. be going top ten. He did. You're just risking an injury at that point if he were to play. I think he's shown enough to NFL scouts. I agree. Yeah, and I think we move on to linebackers. Wait, I, one note for the de- defensive linemen, because there's a trio of Jalen Twyman, Tyler Shelvin, and Jay Tufele uh, that are opting out. But Marvin Wilson, a defensive tackle from Florida State, will actually be playing while those three opt out. So I think that's a huge advantage to him. And I actually think he could propel himself all the way into the top 10, given how many opt-outs there are. Because if you look at his profile, he's the type of defensive tackle who actually can rush the quarterback. And if a guy like Derek Brown, who was amazing on rundowns, but has pretty questionable ability rushing the passer right now, if he went number seven overall, I think Marvin Wilson can end up in the top 10, given all the other defensive linemen that opted out. You know, you're right. He has a chance to leapfrog those three that you mentioned, Twyman, Shelvin, and Tufele, because they're opting out and he's playing so that was a great point by you um where I was going linebackers Mike Parsons he's in the same situation as Rosu there's really no reason for him to play um he should be another top 10 talent yep and then Dylan Moses will be playing and I think that one is all about we know that we know the talent but he needs to play to show us that he can stay healthy for a season given the given the injuries that he suffered if he were to come out and play at the elite level he had prior in his career and, and be healthy all season, that's really what he needs to show scouts. It's more the health than the playing ability right now. So it's actually really important for him that he does get to have this season. Yeah, I agree. But that's also a huge risk, huge reward for him because if True. he gets injured again, yes, that will, right. his draft stock will be lower than it would have been if he opted out. But obviously, if he shows that he can stay healthy for the full season, his draft stock should rise. Yeah, we're really hoping that it doesn't evolve into a Jalen Smith situation where it's a player that talented ends up being so marred by injuries it's really a very big risk very big reward for Dylan Moses this season and his situation would be even worse than Smith's because Smith had one major knee injury right. that. but Moses would have multiple big injuries and obviously we don't want him to get injured this year we want to see him play we want to see him in the first round 
Um, if we move to defensive backs, we have one main, main opt-out with the cornerbacks, Caleb Farley and Patrick Sertain and Josh Dover playing. Yeah, I think I was, I was surprised to see Farley opt out, not because really that he opted out, but because he was the first player to opt out back in, I think, early to mid-August. So that was surprising that a player that's, that was maybe on the fringe, fringe of the first round, and now you're thinking, well, even making it into the first round, he was the first one to opt out. Meanwhile, I think the Alabama corners, Sertain and Joby, that's it's definitely a good look for them. One guy that I do want to go over is Paulson Adebo because I remember it was almost a surprise that he didn't come out for the 2020 draft because he would have probably slipped into the late first round is where his draft stock was projected. And now you're looking at him and you're thinking if Stanford's in the Pac-12, they're probably not going to play. He, his draft stock is probably going to end up being even lower than it would have been if he declared a year earlier. So that's that's where you think that sometimes declaring early is the right move. And then you also have Sean Wade who isn't playing, and that's probably going to hurt him in respect to Patrick Sertain because you kind of see them at the same level on – on the, the opinions that are held of them in NFL scouting circles right now. And if Sertain has a full season and Wade doesn't, then it, you can easily see Sertain passing him and, and being the clear-cut corner one in the 2021 NFL draft. Yeah, I agree. And something that um, I know we wanted to bring up with this is none of this is personal with the prospects, obviously. Uh, the decision to opt out or play is a very personal decision. There's plenty of things they have involved between health of themselves, health of the family, um, and how much risk they want to take regarding the virus. So we really just want to make sure that everybody knows none of our saying they'll drop in the draft because they opt out. Um, it's nothing personal. It's just looking at it strictly from a draft perspective. Yeah, we totally understand the personal reasons that are leading some of the prospects to opt out, given the, the health crisis. And we're, ju- we're just thinking of how will this affect their uh, their development and their draft position, but we're totally aware of the personal reasons that inevitably have to go into making such a decision. Yeah. And something I wanted to bring up actually about just everything with opting out. I know many people have had issues in the past about the, the three year move from high school rule with players that, you know, maybe played in college for two years and people say, Oh, they could declare now and they'd be a first round talent. I really wanted to bring up the idea that, you know, if opting out goes well for all a lot of these players who are, you know, fringe first-round talent, first-round talent where, you know, they're not getting drafted any lower than, like, they would have um, if they had played, what if we see other players just opt out in the past? Um, I mean, opt out in the future because, you know, if you're going into a season and you're a first-round talent, what's the point? Why would you play, right? The risk is an injury and in what happened to Jalen Smith. You're right. He could, Especially- he could, he could, he fell out of the first round. He was top five, top 10 talent easily. Right. So some of these players, I don't understand why it's really never happened before. Um, we know Nick Bosa did it with Ohio state a few years ago. When he had his corner injury. He said, you know, what? I'm done. I'm going to prepare for the NFL draft. I would not be surprised if we start seeing other players do this in the future if opting out goes well for some of these players. I agree. And I think that really what you saw before as being uh, opting out of the bowl game to prepare for the NFL draft, the, if this would be contingent on the on college football actually having a, a whole season for these conferences that haven't opted out. If college, football, if college football has a whole season and these players that opted out still go around where they were projected to go, especially the elite ones, then I think we could see this trend and it would become not just skipping a bowl game, but potentially skipping an, an entire last season of, the, of their college careers. Yeah, I just from the player's perspective, what's the point of playing? You're like, let's be honest, they're not in school to learn 
Obviously, you're getting free education, as they say, but that doesn't matter to them. They're here to go to the NFL. They're they're risking money at that point, millions think, of dollars. I think we should also not be – well, the important point is that they're opting out, but they can still choose to continue their classes. So I think that education point is aside here because even if they opt out of the season, they're still enrolled in the university. So this says they can still get their, their education if, if, if that's something that they they focus on a lot despite opting out. And it's more of, a, of, a, of an issue of whether or not they think their draft stock will stay the same. Correct, yeah. But I'm, I'm speaking of like in the future, right, if they opt out of the season – yeah. They basically drop out of college, and you know, at that point, it's it's about all about their NFL draft stock. And I think, you know, I think we could see a lot more opt outs in the future if this goes well. And I think it'll be interesting to see what college football does if that trend starts and then continues. Yeah, but I think that what'll hold it together, if that's the case, is I think you'll always have players like Trevor Lawrence who will play no matter what. They love the game so much. They love the team. They love the university. They love the competition that they just wouldn't opt out. You'll, you would definitely see some of them take that route if it were proven to be a successful path to NFL stardom for these elite prospects. But I think you'll always still have a handful like Trevor Lawrence who will want to play no matter what. And that should, I think, in, in my mind, that would prevent this from being too big an issue for, for college football. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think, but then if we're looking at an NFL draft side of things, I think, you know, if players do decide to opt out in the future, I think it will lead to a lot more... Um, potential busts just because sometimes that that extra year at least some more clarification on both sides of things definitely I think it'll be a lot less clear for a lot of scouts I think it will especially if they if they see this year that it's something where you can retain your your draft stock more or less from what you were projected before your final season it's going to be so difficult without that last year we already went over Trey Lance we'd love to see him play at the same elite level another year given that it was FCS uh, Fields, Justin Fields from Ohio State. We'd love to see him improve his footwork, improve his pocket awareness, improve his vision. I mean, they're 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 top notch prospects, and they were elite last year. But that doesn't mean they don't have question marks that we'd like to be answered. And if if this trend of the elite prospects skipping their final season uh, continues beyond the the, the COVID uh, crisis, then we could definitely see some some real head scratching decisions having to be made throughout the years to come for NFL scouts. Yeah, I think it's definitely uh, an idea worth looking into as, you know, the years go on. I, it's something that really hasn't been brought up either. So I thought it was something interesting to talk about. I think as we wrap up this first episode, uh, we want to point out that, you know, obviously the season may not go on. We might get it three weeks into the season. There's a huge outbreak and college football shuts down. But it also, you know, everything can go well. And some of those um, conferences that have said they're not playing may try to play halfway through the fall, maybe in the winter, something like that. So it's definitely a lot of unknowns still. Oh, it, it definitely is. And uh, as you said, I think that if everything were to go well, the conferences that did cancel would really be wanting to jump in there in, in some way. I, I don't see how they could. But again, <laughs> this is 2020. The, the situation is way different than it's ever been. So we really don't know. This college football could be completely shut down. We could be going off limited tape for every prospect. Or we could have this discrepancy in terms of the ones that have opted out and the ones that haven't. Or we could see the conferences somehow finding a way to make it back onto the field, even if they've canceled already. There's a lot of unknown, but we're excited to look at it from a scout's perspective. A challenge is a challenge for us. Definitely. The last thing I wanted to bring up is the idea of playing in the spring. I know uh, the Big Ten has mentioned that. Uh, what, are your, what are your opinions on if 
people playing – if teams playing the spring, are a bunch of the NFL prospects going to opt out to get ready for the draft? Could the draft be pushed back? I mean, do you I, have any, I, any thoughts I, on it? I don't see it happening. I don't see how you could fit into the, the college football and NFL calendar a way of playing into the spring because – uh, then you would ask them to play the following fall because you can't completely delay the college football uh, scene by a few months permanently. And I don't see how you ask unpaid college athletes to play two seasons in a calendar year on top of how you fit it into the calendar uh, juggling in between the college football and the NFL. I think it's completely not feasible. And if you think about like how they would get back to the field, like the Big 12 and the Pac-12, I think it would be if come November everything's going well and they find a way to – maybe play just within their conference. Each each team plays each other once, and it goes from, say, November to late January or something of the type. I don't think we're looking at playing in the spring as a real option. Yeah, I agree. And I think if teams do decide to play in the spring, a lot of the draft prospects will say, no, I'm not playing because yep. they can't play a season and then have to go through the combine a month later and then two months later have to go through rookie mini camp, right into training camp, right into a season. That's really honestly – 10 months straight of playing football and no one's body can handle that. Yeah. And at the end of the day, actually, I think it's the NFL's word because even if the two organizations are not completely linked, if the NFL, the NFL administers the scouting combine, if they decide it's in February, it's going to be in February, in which case the college football could not have a season uh, beyond that because the prospects just simply would not play. I think at the end of the day, the NFL really controls it because they're the ones administering the combine. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, on that note, um, thanks for listening to episode one of Bold Take Scouting. Uh, we appreciate all the support. Hopefully you guys are back for episode two. Bye, everyone.